Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal Show, brought to you by ebodyboarding.com and Tribe Boards. Hey everybody, Jay Real back at you for 2023 with our very first Real Deal Show of the year. And I have with me a man who is multifaceted, multi-talented, and besides that, a super nice guy. This is, tell us your name. Uh, Matt, Matt Davis, but everybody calls me Maeve. So. There you go. So he's known as Maeve. Welcome, Maeve. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you, Jay. Okay. And uh, so Maeve grew up in the UK. He now lives in Portugal. He's working for bodyboard holidays is a part-time gig and we're going to get into what else he's doing which is pretty amazing uh, throughout this podcast but let's talk about your your upbringing in the UK what part of the UK are you from sure so um, well yeah firstly thank you for inviting me happy to have you and it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to to bodyboard with you and Vicky this week Thanks, um, uh, when I got into bodyboarding which is linked to my growing up yeah I idolized you guys I really Thanks. wanted the, the red J-Rio yes. uh, Mori board, but dad <laughs> said, no, you're going to start off with a cheaper one. So I started with a gold, uh, gold G4, so I never okay. got to ride the, the Mori. I still have one in the wrapper. <laughs> if you're really nice, I may consider it, but we'll see. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. No. So yeah, I uh, grew up south coast of England, okay. um, very close to the coast. It's not a great wave, um, but there is a small surfing community there. And before I was 15, I actually, I, I really remember, I remember walking along the coast and seeing these surfers paddling out and they'd spend more time paddling it out than they were getting waves. And I used to say to my friends, like, that just seems ridiculous. Like you're just paddling out, not getting waves. And then, yeah, I guess when I was 15 or 16, some guys at school started getting into bodyboarding. Um, and one day my, my, my dad said, look, we, um, they just bought a horse for my sisters. And he said, oh, okay. we spent this money on your sisters. What would you like? And I said, oh, some of the guys at school have started bodyboarding. I wouldn't mind giving that a go. So we went to the bodyboard <laughs> shop, um, had the eye on the, the, the real board, the real board yep. um, got the, the, the gold G-Force and then went back to school, said to the guys, hey, yeah, I just started, I got a bodyboard. And they were like, oh, we don't do that anymore. That was like, oh, no. that was like last year. Well, first of all, just to stop you, I'm thinking your parents are like, celebrating because your sister the horse that's insanely expensive yeah, yeah, world. Right. and here you just want a a, a a paltry bodyboard so they're stoked on that but your friends said no we're not into that it's yeah. not cool anymore yeah, is that kind of was, it yeah there was one guy still bodyboarding a uh, really good one of my closest friends and he was still doing it so we went a couple of times and then him and i he's, he's called nick or he goes by the name greek so greek and mave we uh we traveled the world together, surfing or bodyboarding all around the world together. And yeah, it was, wow. that's how, that's how it all started. And were you into any kind of sport or arts or anything prior to getting into bodyboarding? Um, I've always been very active. Yep. So I played football, um, played basketball at school, tennis, bit of rugby through, through school, you yeah. know, but just always keeping active. But right. I really, football was the, the main thing. And that's um, soccer if yeah. you're from the United States or Australia. Yeah, or just what we call soccer. Going out on the bike. Yeah, just being active. Really. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so bodyboarding obviously um, took hold of your existence, it sounds like, because you said you started traveling with your friend at that point, right? Yeah, so it's. With uh, Greek. Yeah, with Greek. So Greek okay. and I. Greek and I started traveling. We would travel, first of all, in school holidays. Um, a friend of ours, his mother, 
uh, was a travel agent for the Canary Islands. We okay. did a lot of trips in school holidays to Canaries. We finished school. We did the classic Oz van trip. We did Indonesia, we did Sri Lanka, France. Yeah, wow. we used to go to Ireland a lot. Um, then I went to university and chose university down in Cornwall, so near where bodyboard so holidays are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By the beach. So always sort of figuring out where I was um, bodyboarding, sort of chose where I lived, where yeah. I holidayed. Then after university, a bit more traveling, and then uh, then went to France, um, met a French girl, to Osago, so great for bodyboarding again. Yes. Um, and then from there to Portugal and a few other places. Okay, so let me let me back up a little <laughs> yeah, bit. So yeah. you're doing all these crazy trips, traveling by van around Australia, going through Europe, Canaries. My listeners and viewers are going to be asking, how did he finance these trips? <laughs> they want to know how you pay for this stuff. That's what people are interested in. And tell us what you can. Sure. So, <laughs> so actually, I've, I've sort of... Famous among my friends, I've had more than 50 jobs. So I, wow. yeah, so that was, and a lot of those were, would be that I would have two or three jobs in the UK because yeah. back then the pound was really strong. And it, whether, you know, I was working nights in a petrol station, then delivering pizzas during the day, and then, I don't know, working in a factory or something. I was always juggling two or three jobs for about three months, um, stacking shelves at a supermarket during the night. Yeah, some horrible stuff. Um, and then I'd go away for three, four months or however long my, my money would last. Yeah. Go back to the UK and, and repeat that. So okay. Some, uh, Pretty common theme, I think, amongst wave riders in general. Mm. They'll do those kind of piecemeal jobs to make enough money, travel, spend it all, repeat. Yeah, exactly. And do the same thing again. So what did you study at university? So, yeah, eventually I got to university because uh, I quit the first year to go traveling uh, again. Classic. But went back um, and I came out with international business and marketing. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting because it's now sort of uh, come to fruition that you're, I guess, kind of using that degree. Let's not get into that <laughs> just yet because that's it's coming later. Lots more twists and turns. So, you mentioned you were in Hasegor, you met a French girl, then you ended up in Portugal. So you left out a lot of seedy sort of details, I'm sure, there. But when you were in Hasegor, were you working there as well? What were you doing there? And how did you work there? Did you speak enough French to get by? Yeah, all, all good questions. So just before um, moving to France, so I'd traveled, um, then, I'd can't, uh, then I'd jacked in a year at uni. So my parents just wanted me to get a degree. And then I did the degree. I did a bit of traveling after the degree and they were just, you know, come on, get a proper job. And I, I did get a proper job, uh, a quantity surveyor in construction. They were very happy, had a suit, go to the office. Um, and then out of nowhere, I met this French girl and within three weeks of meeting her, I gave up everything and went to Osagor. Oh <laughs> man. With no French and before I know it, I'm, I'm washing pots, um, which was great for that first summer to, yeah, just find my feet in, in Osagor and I, Surf during the day and then work in the evening. Yeah, what do you mean washing parts? What is pots. that? Sorry, oh, pot pots. Dishes. Sorry, yeah, the yeah. got Le plonger. Washing dishes. Yeah. So you have a university degree, an yeah. international business. There you are as a dishwasher in France, all because of a chick. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. Ladies, I'm just joking, of course. But yes, that's a common theme, I think, amongst many people. So continue. So how did this so, progress here? Yeah, after about it was a it was a really tough summer working a lot of hours. Had this um, 
chef just you know barking at me in French I was be washing the dishes maybe make some salads or things and I thought hang on I'm 26 I shouldn't really be washing dishes so I took a course so that I could um, teach English as a foreign language okay which I then went on to do for about 10 years um, and I took the course there in Osogor and then the French girl and I sort of went our separate ways and Osogor particularly in the winter it, it's, a, it's a small place and we sort of realized it's probably not big enough for the two of us uh -huh. so it was me that had to um, find a different country yeah. if you like and thoroughly enjoyed living in France getting good waves you know new culture so I thought I want to continue this I don't want to go back to the UK okay um, and applied online for a job in Portugal I'd never been there what kind um, of job did you apply for anything so an English teaching job so with that okay, course, right. I was able Got to it. find this um, this this job just in Lisbon actually um, and yeah never been to Portugal and I remember going online and just having a quick look and I saw some pictures of a wedge near Lisbon I thought yeah I'm going there <laughs> again motivated <Yeah. laughs> by the surf as many of us are <laughs> you get the theme um, and yeah it was very quick um, before I knew it I was at uh, Gatwick Airport in London I'm heading to Portugal and I thought right in France I didn't take advantage for learning French I had a French girlfriend I was there best part of a year and my French pretty much sucked so I thought right in Portugal make a special effort and learn the language so at Gatwick Airport I bought a phrase book bought a Spanish phrase book I assume they spoke Spanish Spanish <laughs> you're going to Portugal I love it so you know I studying on the plane and then yeah first taxi I got into realized that they speak Portuguese <laughs> like buenos dias they're like what <laughs> bon, bon, bon dia right what yeah, was it bon dia. bon dia that's right god that's classic so you got to Portugal and, and you had this job lined up, so you took the taxi to the place where you were going to work. I assume they had accommodation all sorted yeah. out and all that for you. Did you have to be a roommate with someone else who was also teaching English? Yeah, so I, I, was, um, I roomed with two other teachers that had come over from England for their first year as well. Okay. And worked in this school. It was, a, it was a team of about 10 of us, small school, and it was teaching English. Uh, it was like an academy, so the hour, the the teaching hours were in the evening so I'd have all day to surf Perfect. <laughs> and then I'd start work at about it was about four or five then work till about nine um, and yeah so I'd get up each morning go surfing yeah. and then jump on the train to work each day that's the perfect gig for yeah. somebody that's you know into to wave riding and so you you mentioned the train to work so you didn't have a vehicle not in my first year then second year realized because Portugal you do need a vehicle Portugal's blessed with so many amazing bodyboard waves, but if you've got a vehicle, you can always be at the best spot. Yes. Uh, on so any you, given day. So you then bought a vehicle, yeah. right? Okay. And um, so then how does the story progress from there? You eventually met Joana. Yes. So I arrived in Portugal 2007. Yeah. And sort of did this teaching thing um, right through till about 2015, 2016. And in that time, teaching evenings, surfing during the day. I even left Portugal for two years where I lived in northern Spain, Nimondaca actually. Wow. And Italy, and got some waves in Italy. Why did you leave? You just got too restless? Cold. Oh, it's too, too cold. cold. Yeah, okay. I'm, uh, despite I'm from England, I really feel the cold. And some of the mornings out at Mondaca when you're waiting for waves, um, particularly after the snow melts off the mountains, it comes yeah. out into that you know the, that history yeah and um, yeah I just thought yeah I had a really good gig in Portugal um, yeah but you had wanderlust you wanted to get out and 
do yeah. more of that international man of mystery stuff yeah. and see other countries after a few years in Portugal. But mm. then you realized how good you had it. Yeah, exactly. And just, just thought, yeah, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed Portugal, and the water was warmer. Um, so headed back, and then not long after heading back to Portugal was when I met Joanna. Okay. And her and I have been together. Um, this is our sixth year. So. Wow, congrats. So now I will point out we're in El Salvador. You can probably see the beautiful tropical foliage behind us with the Bodyboard Holidays crew. And Maeve is an expectant father as we record this. You have a yes. young son on the way in a couple of months here. So congratulations Thank to you. you for that. Let's talk about the Bodyboard Holidays connection before we get into kind of what you, sure. your day job is now. How did that all happen? Sure. So. Um, Growing up in the bodyboard scene in the UK, I used to always buy 360, which Rob Barber was the ed editor of. Yep. Um, and got to know him just through the UK bodyboarding scene because it's quite small. And then, um, I guess 2013, 2014, Rob started doing some trips in Portugal and he reached out and said, yeah, we should hook up and you can see what I'm doing here. And I joined one of the trips for a couple of days and I thought, yeah, this is cool, I, I enjoy what he's doing, you know, you get to hang out with a bunch of cool people, like-minded bodyboarders, and chase waves every day. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a couple of days, and then he, he said, yeah, would you like to um, work on one of the Portugal trips, the next one coming, I can't remember, it was in three months' time or four months from when we met, I said, yeah, and uh, that's where it started, and I slowly phased out the English teaching and started ramping up the bodyboard holidays. Um, and yeah, within about a year, I was on the Nicaragua, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Morocco, Portugal, Ireland trips and had a good couple of years of traveling around yeah. to all of their different locations. It's pretty optimal for a guy who likes to travel and ride waves, right? Somebody else is footing the bill, in this case, yeah. Rob. Of course, your contribution is as an instructor and a guide in these locations. So it seems like the per perfect symbiosis of your needs and Rob's needs. And so you did all these trips and then how did that progress to you? You sort of became the, the guy in Portugal that Rob leaned on to run the trips there. How did yeah. that all happen? So yeah, I mean, I've been in Portugal for a long time. I know it really, really well. Um, and yeah, really enjoy receiving people. Um, and yeah, within, a, within about a year, I think I was managing the Portugal trips. Um, and you did you uh, sort of partner with some accommodation there? So accommodation-wise, everyone to stay. Yeah, accommodation-wise, yeah. I had a um, an English friend actually. He he manages different villas uh, in the Sintra area near where the um, the Sintra Pros held. Yep. And so we just rent this same villa every year. Beautiful villa, pool, lots of rooms, pool table, games room close to the beach. It was brilliant. Um, yeah, rent that through a friend, and, and that was where the the accommodation. Right on. Yeah. So and you're still doing it. We'll talk about that after I get into your day job. You're a very environmentally conscious person, right? Do you want to talk about that and how that led yeah. you to kind of what you're doing now, your big project? Yeah, so another twisted turn yes. in, in my life. So I've always loved nature and I'm always in nature, whether it's surfing or I'm a keen trail runner, an ultra, ultra marathon runner. So yeah. love to be in the mountains or be in the ocean or just be in the countryside. Um, love walking my dogs. And always just been a bit concerned about the environment. I even remember as a, a little kid, um, this is a long time ago, I remember we used to take trips from our place to my nan's place. And in the south 
south of England there's not too much not, not there's, there's no factories but there's one and I just remember seeing this plume of smoke coming out and even as a kid I felt very uneasy that there was right. this black smoke going into the sky so yeah. I guess I've always been a bit concerned and then actually through travels you get to see sort of the destruction of or you know man-made led yeah. destruction when you travel you see some beautiful places but I've also witnessed some you know some, atrocities, yeah, atrocities. You, will, right? you know I remember one time I visited Sumatra and we didn't see the sun for about 10 days because that was the burning of rainforest um, in another part of Indonesia wow. to plant palm oil plantations. So it was little things like this that I started to think, um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to have a, more of an impact, if possible, mm -hmm. um, on the planet. Um, and at that time, you know, I'd gotten a bit bored of the English teaching. Um, I was loving the bodyboard holidays, but I just wanted to, sounds cliche, but I just wanted to give back in, in some way possible. Um, and a, a mutual friend of mine, who's also a surfer, diver, keen outdoorsy person, a nature lover, he'd got to the same stage in his respective career. And we, we sort of said, should we try and set something up that may or may not have a positive impact, uh, bounce some ideas together. And at the time, I think he was riding around Vietnam on a moped doing that sort of trip and I was in Nicaragua on a bodyboard holidays trip and we had a zoom call and said yeah should we get this started and we created uh, Mossy Earth which is now six years old um, Wow is there a website give us the yes. website so it's uh, it's mossy.earth and mossy m-o-s-s-y dot earth exactly okay Good to know. There's no like dot com in no, there. No, no, it's dot earth. It's dot earth. Okay, it's dot I didn't earth. know there was a suffix now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, Mossy Earth, completely different to English teaching and bodyboard yeah. holidays. Um, we what are do do? a social enterprise, and our mission is to restore wilderness, protect biodiversity, and help mitigate climate change, which we do through reforestation, rewilding, and conservation projects. Wow. And they can be anything from uh, reforesting the Southern Carpathian Mountains in Romania to releasing birds of prey in Spain to we have a kelp forest project in Portugal to, yeah, very wide-ranging projects. Yeah. Um, and the sort of thread between all of these projects and what is our ambition is that our team of biologists are looking for the highest environmental return on our members' money. So sure. with our members' money, we're looking for the most impactful projects. So if that is restoring a peatland in Scotland, or if that is planting trees in Iceland, or if that is saving, we have one project where we are uh, trying to save a species of snail, which only lives on an uninhabited island off the coast of Madeira. It's like a rock. Um, so we're looking, our biologists have quite a, a thorough criteria of finding these projects that will have a sort of oversized impact yeah. um, to help the environment. So, yeah, wide-ranging, really, really interesting projects. Wow. Now, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the logistics of trying to run something like that through all these different governments and all the, is there a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork that has to be done, communication back and forth? Sure. It's not as bad as you'd imagine. It is when we work with governments, but most of our projects are on privately owned land or existing nature reserves. Okay. Um, so then there's less of that bu bureaucracy, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why we move towards those areas. 
Um, so you mentioned members. Talk mm. about the membership sure. thing. How does that work? Yeah, so it's a subscription, yeah. uh, a bit like your Netflix or your, your gym, and it's typically 10 pounds, which is about $10, I guess. Yeah, that's nothing. Um, per month, and with that, with that 10 pounds, 20% goes to the running costs of Mossy Earth, and then 40% goes to reforestation, so tree planting. So that's four trees every month. And then the other 40% goes on our rewilding projects, so which can be kelp restoration, um, building eagle nest platforms, with working to protect wolves. So those sort of more wildlife projects. So there's two buckets, if you like, yeah. one for reforestation every month, one for rewilding. And with all those projects going on, you can imagine it creates a lot of content. Yeah. So each member has a, a dashboard where they can log in, like an account, and you can also get it on an app. And there they can see where in their world their trees are planted, where their money has gone to a, a wildlife project, and then zoom in on those, and there are maps, GPS, uh, videos from our biologists. Um, so it's really transparent for the members that want to yeah. see where their money's going, and I would imagine that would attract corporate entities who want to a, be associated with such a positive movement, but also there's a tax benefit to them in yeah. some aspects. They're donating money to a good cause, right? And they can write that off, so, right? Yeah, and just going back to the transparency, that was another reason why, well, that was one of the pillars that Duarte and I set up. So Duarte's the other co-founder. Okay. Um, prior to Mossy Earth, I was, uh, I was in Silam donating to different organizations but I felt some of them, I didn't really know what was happening with my money. Not, not to say I didn't trust them, but I just wanted to know a bit more. And sure. also, there's always this sort of gray area with organizations and people are always quite cynical, unfortunately, and I've been that cynic in the past. You know, is my money being spent on this? Is it being on that? So we try as best we can to be as transparent as possible. And yeah. that's what we've been doing from the beginning. So there's videos, there's GPS, there are, um, we do, um, Q&A's with our members. Our members can vote on project decisions so every three months. We say, look, this is uh, what we've earned in the last three months. This is what we're thinking of spending on. What do you think? So we try to incorporate them. That's great. As much as possible. Also build a community through Discord, YouTube. Um, members can book a call with any of the team. So they can just book up through the, through the website to have a call with us. So we're trying our best. Yeah. And we're always trying to improve that because uh, yeah, there's, there's always new ways, particularly with technology, as to how you can show the on-the-ground impact. Yeah. And we would like that our members are able to see this, and then they decide for themselves whether we're doing right with their money yeah. or not. That's the, of course. That's so the idea. It's 100% <laughs> transparency. I like that. So this seems like a work-from-home or digital nomad kind of gig. You can do this from anywhere, I would assume. Yeah, so we're now a team of 14. Oh, wow. Um, and about half of those are biologists. So they have a more on-the-ground presence. They're at the projects. They still have their laptop work, but they, they're on the ground a lot, whether it's setting up new projects, implementing existing, monitoring, because obviously when you, create, when you implement a project, you have to go back and monitor it. So they're on the ground a lot more, and then you sort of the, the more operations side of Mossy Earth. Yeah. Some of what I'm involved in is a lot more laptop work. So okay. I'd like to be out in the field a little bit more. Sure. The biologists have the, have the good gig, but at the same time, it's in really safe hands. They're, well, they're a wonderful team. Well, that's amazing, but let, let's circle this back to bodyboarding because you say you'd like to do that a little more, but here you are yeah. 
in El Salvador and you were in Costa Rica. We um, we met up with you in Costa Rica as well a few couple weeks ago. Yeah. Because bodyboarding is still such a huge part yeah. of your life. Yeah. So this is something you don't have to do. You don't you don't need the money, I would assume. I, I'm not, I'm not going to dive into your finances, <laughs> but it's a labor of love for you. Is that right? Doing yeah. this? I mean, yeah. So so going back to when <clears> I <throat> set up Mossier, it was it was um, I was that was when I was doing full time with Rob. You know, doing all those trips. Yeah. And I was living the dream, and yeah, Rob must have been exasperated when I said I've got to actually step back you know yeah I think he on the one hand he was stoked that I was building something like Mossy Earth but on sure. the other hand you know I, I was doing a lot of the trips so then for this last six years I've been so busy with Mossy Earth I had to leave the bodyboard holidays okay. and now for the first time in six years I've been able to sort of disentangle myself from the day-to-day -day running yeah. of Mossy Earth um, and it's been a it's, it's been a long time coming, and now I'm able to take a week off here, a week off there, to help Rob. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I, it. I really enjoy sharing ways with people. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, the on our first night here, you shared with the group that most important thing is having fun. So I I don't care 100%. if it's a beginner or a ripper. Like let's just have fun <clears> in the water and to share yeah. stories and be somewhere like this I know. for a week. Like I'm with you, man. I mean, you know, we have a business at home and. We could go here by ourselves, Vicky mm. and I and my son, but we choose to join this crew because I love the vibe that is given off by all the people that participate in the bodyboard holidays. And here's here's the thing. This morning I was thinking about this. You know, we were out there with a group and they're varying ability levels, but the best part for me is that it, it brings me back to when I first started bodyboarding. When everything is new, everything mm. is fun, sometimes you get pounded, sometimes you get the wave of the day or yeah. even the wave of your life. And I'm not surrounded by like high level riders yeah. who are all about trying to outdo each other. Yeah, yeah. This is all about, I wanna see smiles on people's faces. I absolutely love that. And it sounds cheesy and maybe contrived, but I am 100% with you on yeah. that. And I feel like you're the same. You know, we have fun if, if the group we're with has fun. And it, and it doesn't take much. No. Sometimes it's just dropping down the face of a wave. Smiles. Yeah. Boom. Mission yeah. accomplished. And right? that's, why, that's why we started, wasn't it? That's, yes. why, that's how we got addicted to it. You know? Yep. So it's, we're coming back full circle. So, you know, we talked the other day. I talked to you about competing. Mm. Now, you were involved in the, in the UK bodyboarding scene as a young man. Did you compete back then? And are you still competing to this day? our listeners want to know sure so back in the uk um i did a couple of competitions but my level then was was yet yeah, not good enough the level level in you in the uk back then was very very high uh, i was new to it as well and i really sort of uh let's say progressed as a as a rider once i traveled and moved away um and also i'm i'm not one to compete i, I get a bit nervous okay however uh, in the last couple of years uh in dropney i really enjoyed Dropney in the last few years I've, I've I end up riding more Dropney than prone yep um, I've decided to enter a, f a few competitions more I'm getting competitive w with myself uh, it's also a good way to meet other riders and also see other parts of Portugal so I only do the the national there's there's a national event and there's some regional events that are really well organized um, and I was telling you um, yesterday or the day before that one of the events is in Erisera at Pedro Branca which is um, the jewel in Erisera's crown, it's a left-hander, a really good wave, but these days it's always packed. 
I'm not someone that can surf in a crowd, so I don't even check it anymore. And if I did, I wouldn't go in because you only need more stress. than yeah eight people on it, and I'm not. I don't hassle. Um, but this competition is at Pedro Branca, so I make a point. It's three times a year. They do this competition three times a year, and I make a point if I can to go there. And you get to surf Pedro Branca, you know. <laughs> you get to surf so Pedro Branca all day. That's so. why you do it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah, just a, I, a lot of guys. You know, the pipe event every year. A lot of guys never compete, but they'll sign up for the pipe event to sure. surf it with three other guys in the water, or girls in the case of the ladies. So, yeah, it's it's a great benefit, you know, for a spot like Piedra Branca, which is White Rock in yes. English. Yeah. Um, so yeah, amazing. So. Um, you mentioned earlier ultramarathoning. Now, I Rob told me years ago because I had a long stint in the endurance sports world as well. You mentioned you did ultramarathons as well. Tell, tell me a couple of the highlights of your ultramarathon career. Sure. So I've always enjoyed running, and I think I got into running after a breakup at university. I just needed to. I think I've learned through the years that I need to sort of exercise my emotions. Sure. Uh, yep, I, need, I need to be active every day and if I move, it releases Sure. Stress. So I think at the time it was just right, run and get this out. And I entered a couple of races, road races, in just after university, so I'm in my early 20s. I didn't know my ass from my elbow and I was doing reasonably well, getting some reasonable results. And kept doing that, um, then went to France and Portugal and was still running um, on and off and doing the odd road half marathon. I think I did the Lisbon full marathon, not taking it too seriously, but enjoying it. So essentially, if the days there weren't any waves, I'd go into the hills in Sintra. Sintra got some beautiful mountains and I'd run. I didn't know that trail running was a thing and I thought I'd prefer to run in nature than run on the road, sure. even if the races were road running, which makes no sense, you know, now I know. but. I just used to love being in the mountains. And then um, I met a, a girl who worked for the North Face and she was the, um, she managed all their athletes. So okay. their climbers, their skiers, and their ultra marathon mm -hmm. runners. And she was telling me about these people that run for hundreds of miles in the mountains. And I was like, wow, this, like, what? How have I never heard I've of this? I've been doing this all the time. <laughs> yeah. How do I get into this? Yes. So, so then I, I started and at the time, the North Face were the sponsors for the UTMB, which yeah. is in... For those also that, Trail Mont Blanc, it's in France. Yeah, and for those that don't know too much about trail running, it's the sort of mecca event, yes, isn't it? It's the it big is, one. It's the, it, for you Americans, it's like the Super Bowl of ultra running. Yeah. yeah. Um, or the and World I, Cup. And I was able to get a free entry through her, and yeah. that was my first... Um, first go an ultra marathon. Wow, yeah. UTMB was your yeah. first ultra? Yeah, it was, oh it, was the, it was the 100K one, so it wasn't the full one, but okay. even so, for your, for, for your first. That's 62 miles for you <laughs> Americans. That's a long way to run. And I just, I just loved it. I uh, just loved being on my own with just one objective, get to the next checkpoint and just yeah. be, yeah, surrounded by beautiful nature. And I went on then to, I've done probably, I don't know, half, no, probably a dozen sort of hundred milers, probably twice that in sort of the 50 milers and places I've been to Madeira, the Azores, like really incredible places. Yeah. The, the Pyrenees, not the Pyrenees, the, the Dolomites in Italy, really wonderful places, loads of places around Portugal. Um, 
And yeah, when there's no waves, I just head into the mountains. Yeah, and, and run. Yeah. And, and I, you're not still racing though? You've kind of moved away from that? So in I was, terms of ultras? Yeah, so, so the last probably four or five years, I did a lot of racing. Um, and then I, I sort of, I decided to, the last race I did was about three months ago. But because Joanna and I are expecting a baby, I, yep. I, I've just got, I've got most of the earth, bodyboard holidays. I'm a keep bodyboarder, try to get in every day. Sure. I got dogs and then something had to give. So I thought I'd just ease back off the, the trail running for yeah. a bit. But uh, yeah, competing up till very recently. So. Wow. Yeah. Now you're obviously in great shape. Um, what do you do other than running? Anything else or is that your 100% bodyboarding and running your 100%? Yeah, they're the two workout. things that, yeah. that I just thoroughly enjoy. Like, I just can't go to a gym it just doesn't sure and where I actually live I live in rural Portugal so there isn't a gym but just those two get me out of bed in the morning um, but I I'd say in the last couple of years I'd make a point of stretching morning and evening mm. um, it's a sort of unnecessary evil mm -hmm. um, I used to try and do one or two yoga sessions a week of like an hour and a half but I, I found it a bit boring so now I do it little and often um, Got it. I do 10-15 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes in the evening okay. um, and that's enough because any longer I'll, yeah, yeah it starts to you lose interest you're yeah. like I'm wasting time I got yeah. things to do how old are you Maeve I'm 41 okay so you're a youngster but we have a lot of parallels mm -hmm. like a lot of similar interests and a lot of parallels I haven't done any hundred milers though <laughs> but you've, been, you've, the, you've been doing the Ironman so. yeah I've done a bunch of Ironmans and some a lot of trail runs but yeah um, you know we do have a lot of parallels so that's amazing, man. Sounds like you built a really great life for yourself. It sounds to me. You have a, a baby on the way. You have a seems like a good balance of work and play. Mm. And in the case of bodyboarder holidays, which I know is kind of a side thing, it's you're combining the work and play into something you love to do, yeah. which is what we all aspire to. You know, there's the, that old phrase: you won't work a day in your life if you do what you love to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, I think that's where we're all trying to get to is that balance. Um, so as we wrap this up, is there anything, anyone you want to thank? Any last words you want to put out there? I don't um, want to keep you too long. No, no, not at all. Afternoon. I don't know if I can think of anything profound, but I certainly thank my parents <laughs> for deciding to move to the coast. I, I, yeah. I actually get a shudder down my spine if my, well, it was actually my grandfather that moved my father down to the coast and my mother's mother that moved her family down to the coast so quite a coincidence I sometimes shudder if, if they had to have stayed around the London area where they were what what would I have become because I I can't imagine life without bodyboarding it's, yeah. it's the friends I know it's the places I've traveled it's as you've seen the, the, yes. the different path I've taken if, if it's been the right path or the wrong path the girlfriends I've lost um, <laughs> so to thank <laughs> there's a Willie Nelson song <laughs> I need to pipe in over top of this <laughs> all the girls I'm lovable yeah. So yeah, so family for, for moving to um, the coast and then my parents as well for not, for just letting me do what I love and I mean, yeah, they must have shaken their head a few times and just thought, you know, not again, he's quit uni or, <laughs> oh no, well, he's, he's giving up quantities of A to chase a girl to France. Yes. Um, so they were never hard on me, they never questioned anything, so yeah, definitely thank them. Um, and then yeah, and, and then Joanna, my partner, we have a, we've got a little boy on the way, but we've also got 
two wonderful dogs with the same name. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what's the name of your dogs? Uh, Luge. So uh, if you go to your house and you call for Luge, two dogs are coming. Yeah. <coughs> Hopefully, if they're trained. Uh, Why did you name them both Luge? So the first one, first one we got, which is a yellow Labrador, just yeah, such a, wonder, a wonderful dog. Um, she, we, we had Luge for about a year and we decided we'd like to find a, uh, you know, a buddy for her. Right. Um, and we went online looking at like the different sh the shelter centers uh, for you know, uh, abandoned dogs, etc. And we found this one, a black Labrador. It was the right age, looked like the, the right, um, sort of had the right character, if you like. Temperament. Temperament, yep. thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jay. And uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, this one, as we clicked it, it said its name was Luge. And I was like, oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like that's a common name for a dog um, in Portugal, is not, that right? No, not too common. Luge is is means light. Okay, um, got it. But it has a bit more of a a different connotation to to. Uh, it's nothing spiritual or anything. That, okay. But it suits them. They are right. they are a, a light in my life. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> and we have a three-legged cat. <laughs> oh my God! Did you get it with three legs, or something happened while you had the cat? Yeah. So um, I'm more of a dog lover. Never had any ambitions of getting a cat. And I was walking the two luges one day, one scurried off into a bush, I followed her in and there was this little black cat that had been hit by a car, his, sort of his lower jaw was missing. Oh, um, man. So I ran home, got a little shoebox, put him in that and thought, right, I've just got to drive to the vets. I didn't really know what else to do. And as I'm driving, Joanna phones the vets to say, look, we found this cat, it's been hit, what do we do? And they're like, well, we can only operate on it if you take somebody takes responsibility for and it pays exactly for it. Yeah. exactly which ain't cheap i don't know about portugal <laughs> but in the u.s um, it's not cheap and that's where most of my money goes is is is, is vet bills wow um and see so, so yeah we they managed to uh, and when we got him there one leg was sort of like this and we assumed it was from the accident but we now think he might have been born with it so he has four legs but one one is just tucked up on the underbelly uh -huh. um but he's a brilliant cat. He fights. The, he's the boss. He he fights the cats with one arm, or one paw. The alpha male. He is. He is. is he just comes line. in, eats, leaves, <laughs> doesn't want attention. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love it. Wow. So you have a lot going on, man. Yeah. But you know, your gray hair. Yeah. Well, hey. You know, I have no hair. So <laughs> wait till you get to be my age. I don't think you're ever going to have to worry about that. <laughs> but so Maeve, 41 years old. Great story, man. Loved hearing about your life. So sometimes you go on a bodyboard holidays trip, you may get the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of meeting and surfing with this gentleman. He's a great drop near, by the way. You'll see some pictures on the bodyboard holidays. Instagram page of him, and um, we already gave you the website. I'm gonna put those links to his website for his company, Mossy Earth, at the uh, description down below if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this last 30 what is it 38 minutes that we've been chatting <laughs> wow, time here. flies you know it's hard to sum up a person's life in 38 minutes but uh we try to touch on the on the, the you highlights. got the gist <laughs> yeah we'll stay out of the low lights uh and so we're gonna get out in the water maybe this afternoon but folks thank you for tuning in Maeve, thank you man no, thank you for having I me appreciate your time this guy's busy man I, i'll tell you he's he's instructing all morning then he comes back and edits photos and video sends it out to the guests and then does it you know does more in the afternoon it's like meet and greet stuff so this guy is non-stop non-stop energy and we love to to hang out with him i mean yeah. we just met him but he's great so um so that'll do it for this episode of the real deal show hope you enjoyed it folks if you liked it give us the thumbs up 
put any comments below if you're watching on YouTube for Maeve, if you have any questions for him, and we'll send the, uh, him to that uh, question. So maybe he can chime in on that and hope you enjoyed. Folks, as always, we'll see you in the surf. Cheers.